Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. On today's show, our coverage of Your Winnipeg in 2030, Making Poverty History. This vital conversation took place last week, and we've got highlights from the panel discussions, as well as an in-depth interview with Jackie Anderson. She's the family group conferencing coordinator at Mama Wichita Center. We'll also bring you information about the Manitoba Shoebox Project, which aims to help women displaced from their homes and estranged from their families with shoeboxes full of necessities put together by volunteers. We're going to hear from Alex Todd, Manitoba Coordinator of the Shoebox Project for Women, a little bit later in the show. And finally, it's that time of year again when many of us will be celebrating the holidays with family, friends, co-workers, and loved ones. And we're going to learn about how you can ensure a safe ride home this season from Operation Red Nose. We're going to be speaking with Randall Clark, coordinator for Operation Red Nose, about how all of it works. We've got all this, some great music, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Normally we're here with Robert Zirk as my co-host, but he's taken the day off today. However, he has submitted a couple of excellent stories and conversations that he had earlier this week, one of which uh, is going to be with the Shoebox Project. Uh, he's speaking with their coordinator uh, for the Manitoba branch here to learn all about that. And he's also brought a little bit of the highlights from last week's Vital Conversation. Uh, it was entitled Your Winnipeg in 2030, Making Poverty History. And it was all about just that, trying to discuss ideas and concepts and, and initiatives and policy changes that will someday, hopefully, maybe by the year 2030, make poverty history. It was a really interesting, really emotional, and really uh, exceptional night of conversation, of convening, and of kind of get bringing community together to discuss this very important project, uh, problem here in Winnipeg. Uh, so if you didn't happen to catch the, the conversation or didn't show up to the university last week, you can... Well, you can listen to the show, obviously, but you can also go to the Winnipeg Foundation's Facebook page because we have uh, we live stream the entire event. It's about an hour long. And it's some great, great conversation and ideas and a lot of lived experience from people who have lived in poverty in the past. Al Weeb, who was a, a friend of the show, he's been on the show before, obviously, was one of the panelists. And uh, what he was talking about, his lived experience, was really something that... He, you have to see it. You have to see it and, and experience it and, and talk to people who have lived these experiences to, to truly have a, a deep empathy for what they go through because otherwise it's just kind of a stat that you read on a, on a or see on a news show or read in a book or, or whatever. Unless you see those people with lived experiences, it's, it's tough to kind of really truly sympathize with with their plight uh, another person on the uh, on the panel who had lived experience is jackie anderson now she works for mumway and uh again you have to sort of hear these conversations before you can really put a face to to the to the issue of poverty here, here in our city and my conversation with jackie will take place a little bit later on in the show um so yeah it's a really good show today Stay tuned for all these really interesting conversations, but we always kick things off with a song, so we're going to start things off with a little bit of Beach Boys with Do You Remember? You're listening to River City 360 on 93.7 CJNU. Sharp as a knife 
Well now, do you remember all the guys that gave us rock and roll? Chuck Berry's gotta be the greatest thing that came along. He made the guitar beats and wrote the all-time greatest song. Well now, do you remember all the guys that gave us rock and roll? Elvis Presley is the king, he's the giant of the day, paved the way for the rock and roll star. Yeah, the critics kept on knocking, but the stars kept on rocking. And the chopping didn't get very far. Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you today. Last Thursday, the Winnipeg Foundation, in partnership with Make Poverty History Manitoba, held its vital conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030, Making Poverty History. Keynote speaker Andrea Burkhart is the executive director of End Poverty Edmonton, and she spoke about some of the strategies and values of her organization and its work in eliminating poverty in Edmonton. What started as a special council initiative in Edmonton in 2013 later became a task force and then a strategy to end poverty in a generation. Andrea emphasized the importance of having the entire community work together, even though the complexity of poverty can make this a difficult task. It's not easy to get investors to coordinate their funding together towards a cause like poverty. The work was inordinately frustrating at times, and I will say that it still is but we have to keep going. And that's why also we have a generational view because we know it's gonna take a long time to undo this. We didn't get here overnight. Andrea noted how colonialism and its effect on relationships between indigenous and non-indigenous peoples is entrenched in many of the systems that perpetuate poverty. We know it will take time to repair the harm, to rectify and to really reconcile. Reconciliation is foundational to our work at End Poverty Edmonton. Our mayor and other leaders in the community have made explicit the link between reconciliation and ending poverty, in that ending poverty is a profound act of reconciliation, and that reconciliation is a means towards ending poverty. The two are inextricably linked. Andrea also spoke about the similarities between Edmonton and Winnipeg, including similar attributes they share when it comes to how poverty disproportionately affects Indigenous people, LGBTQ people, women, people with disabilities, recent immigrants, and refugees. So it's no coincidence that the populations I talked about earlier who are impacted by poverty are also the populations generally excluded from other forms of participation. They're the populations you don't typically see on city council or in other forms of government. They're populations you don't necessarily see in other leadership positions. And that's why our definition of poverty is broad. It's not just about economic poverty. Poverty is broader than that. It's about exclusion. Who's in and who's out. So I'll share our definition of poverty with you. Edmontonians experience poverty when they lack or are denied economic, social, and cultural resources. 
to have a quality of life that sustains and facilitates full and meaningful participation in the community. This is not about a certain amount of money at the end of the month, although that is critical, but it's about full participation in the community. And that definition really provides a basis for End Poverty Edmonton's six strategies to end poverty that Andrea outlined. The first strategy to end poverty is to eliminate racism, like big goals, right? Big, audacious goals. But you cannot extract racism and poverty from each other. The two are also inherently linked, which is why our definition is about exclusion. Our mayor talks about systemic racism, but he also reminds us that we must first identify and deal with the racism in our own hearts. Other areas that our plan focuses on are livable incomes. Poverty isn't only about money, but it is always about not having enough money. So interventions to end poverty must be about income. We are also focusing on affordable housing, because like Winnipeg, Edmonton has an affordable housing crisis. This is across the country. Families in Edmonton are spending 75% of their incomes on housing. What does that leave you at the end of the month? Accessible and affordable transit, because you can have programs and jobs and counseling, but if you can't get to them, then what good are they? The fifth area of our work is affordable and quality childcare, which not only allows parents to return to work, but the quality piece will permit our youngest citizens to have the tools and resources they need so that they can have full and meaningful participation in the community as they grow up. And lastly, access to mental health services and addiction supports. And all of us here will, I'm sure, no doubt understand the links between addictions, mental health, trauma, and poverty, that these are cycles that are perpetuated. You just heard Andrea Burkhart. She is the executive director of End Poverty Edmonton and was the keynote speaker at the Winnipeg Foundation's vital conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030, Making Poverty History. When we come back, we'll have more insights from Vital Conversation panelists Kirsten Burnas, Al Weeb, and Jackie Anderson. Stay tuned for more. You're listening to River City 360. My heart went leaping the day you came along. Forgot the weeping the day you came along. Before I knew it, I hummed a little song. The day you came along I only drifted before you came along The fog was lifted because you came along I sent the blackbirds right back where they belong The day you came along Men have conquered nations, other men have set them free Pioneers have crossed the sea You can turn the pages through the ages, but to me T'was the most eventful day in history Two souls were mated the day you came along A world created The day you came along One glance convinced me I knew I wasn't wrong The day you came Thank you. 
other men have set them free Pioneers have crossed the sea You can turn the pages through the ages But to me Twas the most eventful day in history Convinced me I knew I wasn't wrong The day you came Back to River City 360, Robert and Nolan here with you today, and we're continuing our conversation about the vital conversation from this past Thursday, Your Winnipeg in 2030, Making Poverty History. One of the panelists, Kirsten Bernas, is on the steering committee for Make Poverty History Manitoba, and she emphasized the importance of dealing with poverty right away, that poverty has to be ended, and how widespread the issue of poverty is in our city with more than 100,000 Winnipeggers living in poverty. You know, we talked about our cold winters here in Winnipeg, and, and for some, poverty is not having anywhere safe and warm to go to survive our cold winters. It creates poor health outcomes. It creates experiences of uh, mental illness and addictions. I think by now we're all well aware of the impacts of the rising meth use in our communities, which for many is rooted in you know, a crisis of poverty and trauma and isolation. It's having deep intergenerational impacts on our families. It's evidenced by the alarming rates of children who are being taken from their families and put into government care. And on top of these human and social costs, um, it costs us all financially, uh, whether it's in our health budgets or our justice budgets, in our lost economic productivity. We know calculations from other jurisdictions show that we pay much more for the consequences of poverty than on interventions that reduce poverty. So my intention here is not to, you know, just sort of paint this bleak picture, but to rather emphasize the seriousness of poverty and and the urgent need for action. Al Weeb, who is also on the steering committee for Make Poverty History Manitoba, shared his own lived experience of homelessness and poverty. He spent two years living on the streets after losing his job, but despite making it out of homelessness, Al found that life became even more difficult. We moved into a place that was barely affordable at the time, and it takes a long time to recover from homelessness. And not being really, really in a, in a sound state of mind at that point in time, I had a lot of difficulties dealing with the issues of p- poverty. I always say that we, we take people, lift them off the streets, which is really, really good, but we plunk them straight down into the crucible of poverty where the pressures are unrelenting. And I know how difficult that life is. And many times I just wanted to leave. I wanted to go back because 
we sometimes didn't have enough food, even in the early days. And when our rent was somewhat cheaper, uh, we, we fought to survive. Daily life becomes getting up at 5.30 in the morning and collecting beer cans for, uh, to meeting nutritional needs. Call up with three, four dollars in beer cans and buy milk for the day. Just because people are, are, are housed after being homeless does not mean that life is okay. Jackie Anderson coordinates family group conferencing at Mama Way, which has helped reunify families and keep children from coming into care. Through her work, she's found that the barriers families face in obtaining the supports that they need to get out of poverty often keep them in poverty. All these things that we think we may take for granted, because we have, I know I have a driver's license in my wallet, I have a medical card in my wallet, and you know why? Because I have an address. Our families can't get identifications if they don't have an address where their identifications can connect them to. You need identifications in order to qualify for social assistance. Do you know that in order to call, get onto social assistance, you gotta make a call, you gotta go for an orientation, which is typically maybe the next week. You go in for the orientation, they're gonna give you an intake date, and then you might have to wait another two to four weeks for the intake date. That's six weeks of no service. And I guarantee it, when someone is making that phone call, they need services now. They need food now. They need housing now. When I look at, you know, even just the financial barriers right now that are created for those that are on assistance, do you know that I can't even give a gift card to one of my families who's on assistance because they could be deducted? Do you know I can't contribute $10, $15 a month for their rent to help supplement, otherwise they'll be deducted? How is that helping our families get out of the system? Jackie Anderson was one of the panelists at the Winnipeg Foundation's Vital Conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030, Making Poverty History. And if you'd like more information on the Vital Conversation, you can visit winnipegvitalsigns.org. The panel discussion was also live-streamed in full on Facebook Live, and you can watch the full panel discussion at facebook.com forward slash WPGFDN. Thanks, Robert. Now, in those highlights, you heard from Jackie Anderson, and I was actually lucky enough to uh, be granted a, a little conversation with her after the event. Jackie sat down with me to give a little bit of, a little bit more insight into her role at Mamaway and uh, to just go a little bit deeper about her lived experience. Uh, we're going to get to that conversation right after our next musical break. So here is Peter, Paul, and Mary with The Times They Are A-Changin', right here on River City 360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and we are on location at the University of Winnipeg, and I'm speaking with Jackie Anderson. She's the Family Group Conferencing Coordinator at Mamaway. Jackie, thank you for talking to us today. Thank you for having me. So you were one of the panelists at today's Your Winnipeg in 2030, Making Poverty History. Uh, you kind of brought the perspective of an agency that really works in this area to try to obviously make poverty history. How do you think the conversation went tonight? Were, were you uh, able to say all you, that you wanted to say? I think with the minimal time that I was given, I probably could have talked. Like this could have been an eight-hour workshop in itself. But um, I'm really grateful that I had the opportunity to be able to come and share our truths. Um, coming from the perspective of our families, our communities, and that of lived experience. Um, I think it's important that we create these safe spaces to be able to ensure that the voice of those that really matter are present and forefront and honored and celebrated. That came up so frequently tonight is lived experience and the people who are going through it right now. The, and that's really important to have people have empathy for them. It's kind of difficult too to, to talk about this stuff. How like how do you feel when you're dealing with this every single day? How do you say how do you stay strong in dealing with such difficult topics day in and day out? Well, I mean, um, like I come from you know when I when I look at our our medicine wheel teachings and you know it just so happens that those teachings are you know given to me by one of our very respected elders here, Myra Laramie. You know when I look at you know my own journey, you know of of you know, at one time being a victim, to being a survivor, to being a teacher, to today being a warrior. It's important that, you know, the work that we do within our community, that that lived experience is included. You know, there's a different element of understanding of, um, of help, you know, being that helper when you have come from, you know, either you know, one or multiple forms of that lived experience. So as, as a lived experience helper, you know, it's important that you also take care of your spirit, you know, in the work that you do. And, and I mean, it took me many years to be able to know how to do that and shut off at the end of the day in order to continue to come every day and do what I do that our community has honored me and allowed me to do. You mentioned Dr. Uh, Myra Laramie there, and she mentioned speaking to her mom in 1955 about still dealing with child poverty and still having it such an issue in Winnipeg. Are you optimistic with the sort of trend of how we're going and finally having these conversations and gathering and, and trying to find solutions? Do you, can you stay optimistic? Are you still, are you cynical at all? Or are you pessimistic? How do you feel about the general sort of trend towards how poverty is treated in Winnipeg? Well, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, you know, and it's very sad. Yeah, since the 50s, you know, when these systems were created, they were they were initially created to address the issue so that it wouldn't get out of hand. But look at where we are today. Obviously, the systems didn't, you know, do the work that it was intended to do. Um, but it starts with conversation. It starts with relationships. And it starts with empowering the voice of lived experience. And again, now it's up to, you know, the governments to and the systems to be able to take that step back and say, hey, yeah, you know, never thought of that. You know, like what I was sharing there, I give one of my families a bus ticket or a $25 gift card that gets deducted. You know, how are our families supposed to build their individual capacity to go to training or go to school, you know, when they may not have the financial means to take a bus or to pay for childcare or do all those other things when you're being stuck in poverty 
you know, and again, sometimes our systems are set up to keep our families in poverty. It's, it's expensive to be poor. It costs money to be poor and expensive physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I like shared a little bit about a child, you know, living in poverty. And, you know, what, what people also need to understand that when you come from that lived experience, there's always traumas that are going to stay with you. You know, and, you know, even when I was, like I said, when I was preparing for today, I took, I took a step back and kind of looked at my own upbringing. And, you know, those triggers and those traumas were even still there for me. You know, did I have to have a good smudge at that moment? Yeah. Did I have a good cry? Yeah. You know, but I was able to pick myself up because of the relationships that our community and our family and our young people have you know, allowed me to be a part of their life, you know. So that healing from that trauma, you know, that we've experienced when it comes from different forms of lived experiences with us forever. But it's also how do you ensure that you're taking care of your spirit and, you know, making sure that your voice, you know, um, is the truth. It's going to be a eternal battle and an eternal experience, you know, constantly reliving and, and remembering and trying to work through it. It does get easier. You know, um, it, it gets a lot easier as long as you've got that support system there. I mean, I'm, I'm a double income family and I'm still living in poverty. I got three kids in university, so they're my priority. You know, I'm, I'm working. I've been working for years, but, you know, um, it's I mean, there's there's different elements, and those elements may always be with you, but, you know, um, it's important that we create safe space like this, that those stories can be shared, because every time you share, it's part of your own healing. So is that what's what's next for people? Is it just sharing these stories, educating each other, and trying, trying to empathize with everyone who's going through these? What, what's next? Well, I think the stories is... is, is you know, eminent in, in the work that we're doing because even what, you know, I had folks share with me when I went to go and sit down is that, you know, the stories that you were sharing, you know, really connects to the impact, you know. So you can go in, I can go in and say, well, you got to stop doing this and you got to do this and you got to do that. But if you don't have the stories to show how currently the systems are impacting our families, then there's not a lot of passion and meaning behind it. And those are the stories that need to be shared, the truths you know, of what it is that they're experiencing and how it's impacting their family, you know, and that's why I, I've taken, you know, that uh, opportunity to really share, you know, as it relates to children in care and how many parents that I have, you know, that have had kids in the system for eight years, you know, and it's not because they've given up on their children, it's because of all those social economic barriers that they're faced with that they can't you know, get out of that system, you know. And, and again, when the poll, affordable housing, absolutely, but it needs to be safe, affordable housing, you know, which is very far and few between, you know. And again, I have, I have a little boy that can go home any moment right now, but the system is saying, nope, because the back stairways are not safe. You know, so to get a landlord to address that is almost impossible. To call Landlord and Tenants Bureau to get them to address it, yeah, we'll get to it in three weeks. You know, so they don't realize that every time a child, every day a child is kept away from the family is trauma in their future that they're also going to have to mask or deal with. Well, thank you for sharing your story today as one of the panelists here at the Your Winnipeg in 2030 Making Poverty History. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add to, to our listeners today? Um, 
no, just that I really encourage, you know, for you to get involved, to learn more, to attend, you know, more of these consultations, um, you know, and be a listener because there's a lot of stories out there and that's where I get the most learning, you know, is, is by those stories and people entrusting and feeling safe to share those stories. And in order for you to make change, you need to, you need to be invested in, in learning and, and feeling those emotions. Well said. Thank you, Jackie Anderson from Mumaway. We really appreciate your time and thank you for uh, tonight and everything you did. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Jackie Anderson from Mama Wichita Center for her contribution to uh, last week's panel, as well as our conversation afterwards. Uh, to find out more about Mama Way, you can visit their website. It's www.mamawi.com. That's Mama Way, M-A-M-A-W-I.com. Up next, we're going to learn about the Shoebox Project for Women. It's a quite an incredible initiative that's helping women who have either been displaced from their homes or from their families with the necessities that they need, especially around this time of giving. It's really an important story and a really incredible idea, first of all, to, to help out these women. We're going to learn all about it coming up next. But before we get to that, here's uh, Sammy Davis Jr. with Unforgettable. You're listening to River City 360 on 93.7 CJNU. Unforgettable That's what you are Unforgettable Near or far like a song of love that clings to me How the thought of you does things to me Never before Has someone been more Unforgettable In every way And forevermore That's how you'll stay That's why, darling, it's incredible That someone so unforgettable Thinks that I am unforgettable too That someone so unforgettable Thinks that I am unforgettable too Unforgettable too Unforgettable
Welcome back to River City 360, Robert and Nolan here with you today, and we're now joined via telephone by Alex Todd. She is the Manitoba Coordinator for the Shoebox Project for Women. Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Robert. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity you've given us. Thank you. Tell us about the Shoebox Project for Women and how the initiative makes a difference in the lives of women impacted by homelessness. Our primary mandate is to provide the Shoebox gifts to women who are currently in shelter and at risk of homelessness and, in fact, homelessness. Oftentimes during these situations, women are they're displaced from their, their own home, they're estranged from their own families, and the holidays can really be a very dark and challenging time for them. They can often feel that they are forgotten, they're alone, nobody cares about them, and oftentimes they they go through isolation, feelings of isolation, and they're lonely. So having something that is presented to them that is just for them, not for their children, not for anybody else, but just for them, is an acknowledgement that they are an important segment of our population and our communities, that they are still women who are have the same same aspirations, same goals that all of us have, and it just shows them that they're not forgotten. The Shoebox Project began in Toronto in 2011, and it's really grown since then. How did the initiative get started in Manitoba? We actually, our chapter was founded in 2013, and we are now, um, we're in our sixth year now. We have, last year, we had um, approximately 1,700 shoeboxes. And I say approximately because sometimes um, the organizations and agencies that we partner with, they will also have subdivisions to that. So that's where we are. And as a network of just the, the organization, to date now, we are at um, 130,000 shoebox delivered over approximately 250 communities. It's a sad commentary on one side that we have to be thinking that this is something that is needed, but on the other hand, it's what a joy to be able to provide that to women in these situations. And recently there's been a name change as well. Tell us more about that. We previously have been known as the Shoebox Project for Shelters, and we are now just in legal transition of our name change to the Shoebox Project for Women. And the reason for that is that our new name better represents all of the partners that we do try and provide shoeboxes to. So it's a little bit clearer. We don't just do shelters any longer as we've you know, been able to have some success. And I won't say that we ever have a surplus of shoeboxes, but um, definitely we're able to provide a little bit of support because of our generous community and their donations. So what are some of the things that make up a shoebox? The shoebox project for women really wants to make sure that these are, they feel like a true gift that you would be proud to give. So we also, though, acknowledge there are some items that are considered necessities as everyday things that are still nice to have. So we try and really balance the shoebox as well. We ask our donors to. So some of the things on the more um, functional and necessary side would be a new 
a new toothbrush, uh, full-size toothpaste, full-size bottles of shampoo and conditioner and body lotions, etc. And then on the really, you know, if we can say luxury items, it could be some mascara and eyeshadow, new lipstick, a piece of jewelry that is a, a necklace or a bracelet, just a real good balance and a gift card. You know, we, we ask that, you know, it's nominal, $15 is is good, and that could be for Tim Hortons, it could be for shoppers, Walmart, and that still allows the shoebox to be composed with things that really are in there. And something, you know, warm this time of year for us, of course, mitts and scarves and hats and, and always treats. We ask that everything is nut-free as much as can be, and just to really make it make it a lovely gift that someone would just be really excited. Things that you would want to to receive is a really good guide to go by. One of the things that we do ask our donors to do is to insert just um, a message that's inspirational for the recipient, just something that is going to just even make them feel a little bit more attached to what is going on and, and not removed from everybody else's you know, seemingly joy and happiness at the at the holidays. And it's those messages, Robert, oh my gosh, the, the feedback we get on those, the shoeboxes mean so much to the women, but it's those messages that um, are really impacting to them. So meaningful. This year, the Shoebox Project is accepting shoeboxes until December 10th. And so if any of our listeners would like to contribute a shoebox of items, how can they go about doing so? On our website, there definitely is a, a please do, please don't. Um, it can be as um, as an individual making one or, you know, coming in with a friend to make one or a group. And then by visiting our website um, and our webpage, our local webpage, you can find really good direction on um, what should go in a shoebox, what shouldn't, as I say, the please do, please don't. And also just some some tips, some fun things as guides that um, will make shopping a little easier. Then from that point, um, we do have listed on our website um, drop-off locations throughout the city that include the uh, Winnipeg Public Library, several of those branches. And we're also very fortunate to have um, private businesses who are setting out as drop-off locations. So all of that can be found on our website, and certainly I can be reached by uh, by email. Currently, we have on our wish list from our partners and the organizations and the agencies over 1,500 shoeboxes on their wish list. So we would absolutely love any of your listeners to uh, be inspired to help us promote the work that we do. And where can people go to get more information about the Shoebox Project for Women? They can visit our website, um, our own webpage. There's uh, there's two areas. The national website is shoeboxproject.com, and then the link to our Manitoba chapter would be shoeboxproject.com slash Manitoba. And I can also be reached by email, and that would be at winnipeg at shoeboxproject.com. Thank you so much again to Alex Todd, the Manitoba Coordinator for the Shoebox Project for Women, for speaking with me today.
And again, to get more information about the Shoebox Project for women, you can visit shoeboxproject.com. Thanks, Robert. Coming up next, our very own Sunny Primolo was able to learn about Operation Red Nose from their coordinator, Randall Clark, and he's going to tell you all about it after our next musical break. Since Operation Red Nose is going to be helping you out if you have these celebratory nights during these holiday seasons, how about uh, Elvis Presley with Such a Night, right here on RC360. Sorry, it's my fault. See, how many are we going to do? Or how many did we do before? <clears throat> okay. It was a night. No, no, no. Yeah. I don't think it was. Hey, wait for my hand, Chief, before you come in on the beat. was a night Ooh, what a night it was It really was such a night The moon was bright Oh, how bright it was It really was such a night The night was alive With stars above Ooh, when she kissed me I had to fall in love Oh, it was a kiss Ooh, what a kiss it was It really was such a kiss Oh, how she could kiss Oh, what a kiss it was It really was such a kiss Just the thought of her lips Sets me afire I reminisce And I'm filled with desire But I gave my heart to her Sweet story Such a night came the dawn, and my heart in love, and the night was gone. But I'll never forget the kiss, the kiss in the moonlight. Ooh, such a kiss, such a night. It was a night. Ooh, what a night it was! It really was such a night. Came the dawn, and my heart in love, and the night was gone. But I'll never get to the kiss of the kiss in the moonlight How will I remember? I'll always remember That night Ooh, what a night it was It really was such a night When we kissed I had to fall in love But I gave my heart to her I had to fall in love While she's gone, gone, gone Yeah, she's gone, gone, gone Came the dawn, dawn, dawn And my love was gone But before that dawn Yes, before that dawn And before that dawn Ooh, 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 ooh.
Thanks for listening to River City 360. I'm Sonny Promolo, and with me today on the phone is Randall Clark, coordinator for Operation Red Nose. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. For those who are unfamiliar, what is Operation Red Nose? Well, essentially, it's a service to get people home during the holiday season. We're open every Friday, Saturday night until the 29th of December, and then we do New Year's Eve. And uh, we get everything from the dinner crowd who have had too many cocktails at uh, Aunt Vicky's place to the bar crowd. And uh, they, or they have had, had two drinks and they're with the kids and they want to set a good example. When did uh, Operation Red Nose first so originate? Operation Red Nose, its beginnings go back to 1984. They're 35 years old this year. And it started in Laval, Quebec. It was a swim team or a swim club out there at Laval University that sort of coined uh, the process. And then 23 years ago, it came to Manitoba, care of the Manta Swim Club. And Manta has been running it every year since. Approximately how many rides are provided each year? Um, Statistically, I'll give you last year. Last year, we did 1,522 rides. Now, that's on 12 nights. So it sort of gives you an idea of the volume of stuff that we go through. What would you say is an average donation, and what will the donations go towards? So... Uh, the service, we all know, is actually free. Mm-hmm. MPI will promote that, so will liquor and lotteries. Uh, but what we do once you get into the vehicle is we will ask you if you'd like to make a donation. So we ask if people might dig deep. The money goes to the Manta Swim Club. They have over 300 swimmers in the program. It's a youth swimming program. It, just imagine what it's like to rent a pool. Now, just imagine you have to rent a pool every day, and you've got six of them. So this is offsetting the cost, or else it would be atrocious. So what do you want to give? That depends on you. Typically, there usually is a little bit of a wait time before you can get your ride. It's, it's obviously not going to show up as soon as you call. So how long before should you call? Our lines open up at 9 p.m. and they stay active till 3 a.m. So at 9 p.m. when we first open up, it's pretty quiet because, you know, we don't have the bar crowds yet. So uh, we've been known to pick people up within about 15 minutes of them calling in but we always tell them look call us 30 minutes before you want to leave 30 to 45 minutes give us a chance to get our stuff together and we'll ship a team off to you as quickly as we can now imagine what happens at one o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden at one o'clock in the morning the bars start closing up people are trying to get home and now our phone lines go crazy so that's when the waiting time starts to lengthen out so if your goal is to call red nose after you've closed the bar yeah, you may have to wait a little while, but generally we try to get there as quick as we can. You also have a great idea that a lot of people can utilize called party packs. Can you explain what a party pack is? Party pack is essentially, hey, I'm having something in my house, I'm having a social, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. We've even had wedding social. And they just want to kind of promote the idea that people, if they don't have a designated driver, if they don't have another way of getting home, and if they are going to have a few drinks, Red Nose is there. So we give them a package which has a poster. It's got um, drink coasters. It's got tent cards for the tables. Uh, we send our mascot out to every one of those parties. He's a seven-and-a-half-foot-tall reindeer, and he'll appear at some point during the party just to say hi and whatever. And it's actually when he leaves those parties, it's amazing how much the phones light up. As we mentioned earlier, Operation Red Nose is volunteer-based. How many volunteers are required to run each year? 
Uh, volunteer base overall tends to be between seven and eight hundred, sometimes higher. Right now, we're sitting at just over four hundred uh, applicants, mm. and that number will grow as people sort of come out, try it once, say hmm, or people tell other people, or even your show encourages people to go to our website, www.rednosewpg.ca, and just complete uh, an application form and submit it to me. And from there, we get in touch with you. The purpose of Operation Red Nose is to promote responsible drinking and to ensure you get home safe. How do you ensure the safety of your volunteers? So we work in teams of three. That'll give you a little bit of a clue. Um, there's, we'll call them the chauffeur. That's the one that moves the team around. So they provide their vehicle. We offset some of the cost of the gas. And the other two people are with them as a navigator and a designated driver. So we use a GPS system to send all of our rides out to the car. When the car receives it, they will drive to the location and both the navigator and designated driver get into the customer's car. They drive them to their destination with the chauffeur following. And when they get there, everybody piles back into the team car. Now the idea is that at no point do we have a volunteer alone with a client because nobody, no clients ride in the chauffeur car and we're putting two people into your car. For example, if you have a five-seater car, you can fit yourself and two friends included along with uh, the two volunteers. Yes. So, I mean, every once in a while, we'll get somebody with a pickup truck with two seats and we can't help them. In order for you to run, you work with sponsors. How has sponsorship helped and how can one be a sponsor? Uh, sponsorship, most of it starts up uh, months ago. Uh, in terms of making sure we have our, so we, we have MPI, we have liquor lotteries, we have intact insurance, uh, Great West Life, and then we have a number of them that provide services to make this work because I said we're GPS based. So we have Shaw, we have Rogers, we've got IDC Communications, we've got a number of other sponsors that provide odds and ends for our program. So there's that. But that gathering starts months ago to make sure we got what we need. If you're a bar, if you're a restaurant, if you do serve drinks going into the evening, we have another program called a pub pack. And what it does is it gives them posters, tents, cards, uh, gives them a raft of uh, uh, coasters and a visit from our um, our guy. It's $300 for that pub pack, uh, but we deliver it to you so you can decorate your bar any way you want to. And all we suggest is throw you know, a few coasters on, you know, every second table kind of thing as the program goes on and 10 cards where you can. And all you're trying to do is put the phone number in front of them because they're not required to phone us. What you're giving them is an option for a responsible person. For those looking to get a safe ride home, volunteer or be a sponsor, how can people reach you? And is there anything you would like to add? So reaching us, if you go to our website, does give you how you get a hold of me directly. It gives you our email address, info at rednosewpg.ca. And if you want to volunteer, come on board. I noticed that you have an app. How does that work? The app that's up there, we kind of tether it uh, to one laptop at our location, and it gives a, a pulse check every once in a while and says how long the wait time is. You know, 30 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, whatever it happens to be. And we update it on a regular basis. So the app will give you that. We have an app that we actually use to run all the rides. 
which is the GPS-based. Very cool. Well, again, thank you very much, Randall, for taking the time. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. I hope to as well. (laughs) Have a great day. Thanks, Sunny. That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us as well. If you'd like to hear more River City 360, listen to any of the past episodes or past interviews, subscribe to the podcast. You can do so at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. We'd like to hear your feedback about the show as well. If you want to request a song, suggest a topic, or just give us a call and and let us know what you think about how we're doing, we'd love to hear from you. Call 204-944-9474, extension 360, and you can, uh, again, suggest a song, suggest a topic, or just let us know how we're doing. 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching for the Winnipeg Foundation on Facebook and searching at WPGFDN on Twitter as well. I'm Nolan Bignall signing off for River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, We'll see you next week. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.